I'm Amber Tresca, and this is about IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 83. My guests are Kenzie, John, and Mark from Gaming for Guts. Gaming for Guts is an online gaming community that also raises awareness and funds for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Every year during Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Week in December, they run a gaming marathon on Twitch. Twitch is a live streaming service for gamers and other broadcasters. During the Gaming for Guts Marathon, community members and others can play with the streamers or even run a stream in support of the fundraiser themselves. But as John, Kenzie, and Mark will tell you, Gaming for Guts has a reach that goes far beyond a once a year fundraiser. It has become a close-knit community of people whose lives are touched by IBD. They connect on Twitch as well as on the Gaming for Guts Discord server, which is a messaging platform that is primarily used by online gamers. Don't worry, I will put all this information in the show notes so that you can learn more and connect with them. Everyone involved in Gaming for Guts has a personal connection to IBD, which spurs their interest in raising awareness of these diseases and in helping to make sure that young people don't feel isolated because of their illness. Gaming for Guts. It's so great to have you. Hey, Mackenzie, how's it going today? Hey, Amber. I'm doing good. How are you? Great. And we also have Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, you know, I'd be a lot better if I hadn't got off work at three in the morning and just woken up at nine, but, uh, things are pretty good. All right. We can, we can manage. And John. I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, having us on. I'm so glad to talk to you all. It's been quite a few years that I've been following your journey. And so I wonder if first you would each tell me a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about your IBD journey. And since there are three of you, you know, I think we should just always start with Mackenzie. So let's just start with Mackenzie. Hey, everyone. I'm Mackenzie. I was diagnosed officially with inflammatory bowel disease in 2013, but the diagnostic journey kind of started in 2011. I was originally diagnosed with a mildly chronically inflamed rectum by my general practitioner, which at, you know, after I learned about inflammatory bowel disease, I'm like, oh, wait, that's what that was. So I went undiagnosed and like, you know, really untreated for almost three years, which was a bit rough, made college pretty rough because I experienced flares in college. And I, you know, you're, oh, well, this is just my life now. This is apparently normal for my condition. And, you know, I didn't really do a whole lot of research or anything on it. After I got diagnosed, I did realize that I had had bowel problems my whole life. You know, could I have been diagnosed sooner? I definitely feel that. And I should have went and got a second opinion, went into GI and stuff. But I, I just I just didn't. I was in college, trying to focus on college, getting through school. So it, that was that was my life. And that I felt like that was my life until things started getting worse again after I was an adult, finally got diagnosed. Um, we started with indeterminate colitis for my diagnosis, but since there's like no really official, you know, diagnostic code for indeterminate colitis on paper, I've also read colitis, but we're still not 100% sure if that's what it is, but we're going with it. And I've been on Humira for, I think, seven years, six or seven years this year. And it's been working pretty good. I have breakthrough uh, flares every once in a while, but for the most part, I am, it's pretty controlled except for, you know, the days that my stomach's upset because of something I ate. But because I have IBS on top of the, you know, inflammatory bowel disease. So 
one thing's acting up, another might be acting up. So sometimes I think I'm flaring, but it's actually the IBS. So I've had scopes to see what's going on. Oh, wait, it's your IBS acting up. Oh, okay, well, I feel better, but at the same time, I'm still not feeling well. So it's it's all over the place some days, but for the most part, I'm doing good. That's so good to hear. And so what strikes me about your story is this idea that you had an inflamed rectum and they were just like, oh, this is just like, this is fine. This is all fine. Oh, yeah. Like, they're like, well, you might want to go see a GI. Maybe not because it wasn't even a GI who did my colonoscopy. It was a general surgeon, like did my scope. They're like, oh, well, there's some inflammation. And um, OK. And then my grandmother had ulcerative colitis. But, you know, it wasn't something we really talked about as a family because she had it, you know, when she was younger. And it took a long time to get everything figured out. It was such a struggle for a long time. I hate to hear that, especially in people that have been diagnosed more recently, because it just seems like we should be further along than that. Like, you know, you shouldn't have been suffering as long as, as you have. But thank you for your story. I'm glad to hear that you're doing relatively well in IBD adjusted terms, we should say. John, what is your connection to IBD? Well, I'm kind of the outlier of the group in that I myself don't have IBD. Both of my stepsons have Crohn's. Uh, the oldest boy was diagnosed at age five, and the uh, youngest one was diagnosed at age 10. The oldest one's 18 now, so if, in, I think next month is the anniversary of when he got diagnosed. I'd never heard of Crohn's disease before that. You know, he had been having, you know, complaining of stomach problems and not wanting to eat, and you just think, okay, well... You, you're a kid and you're saying you've got to go to the bathroom and you, you're just trying to get out of having to have supper right now and you don't really think about it, but you know, things progress and then, okay, well, let's go have you checked out. And then he had his first colonoscopy, you know, age five. And the doctor came back and was like, yeah, it's Crohn's. And we're very blessed to live uh, where we do right now because the local doctor was not impressing us at all. He basically had a foot out the door as he's telling us, okay, he's got Crohn's disease. And we're like, well, what does that mean? We, we don't know what this is. And it just almost seemed like it was a problem for him to even tell us like to go any further into the diagnosis and what we need to do from now on. But we're lucky that we live close to uh, Texas children's hospital in Houston because they've been fantastic over there. The, the oldest boy, he's really had some struggles over the years. There was a while where everything he ate was was not agreeing with him. You know, they were debating on putting an ostomy bag on him and just see if that could help his his uh, his guts heal. And so for a while, they they fed him through a tube through his nose uh, to see if that could get everything settled down, and it did. Um, and then he got fistulas, and that's you know, horrible thing for a kid to have to go through. Uh, the last big thing that he had to go through was a few years ago, he got a sinus infection. Well, because he's on his immunosuppressive drugs, it uh, spread through the back of his skull and got into his brain. And they, uh, there's a term for it now. I'm trying to remember. It's a Pot's puffy tumor is what it turned into. So he had to have brain surgery uh, a few years ago to take care of it. And luckily, like when we went in to go have this done, you know, we're asking the doctors, like, we don't, we've never heard of this. 
and there's like some superstar surgeon over there. And he was like, oh, we, we do these, you know, a couple times a month. You know, we're like, oh, wow, this never heard of this thing. Fantastic. So, you know, he goes in, has a surgery, comes out fine. You would never know now that anything was wrong. And since then, he's been pretty good uh, with not having any real big, big flare ups, you know, no, no big issues. And, you know, so that we're very thankful for that. The youngest one got diagnosed and every now and then his stomach is upset. And it's just a real kind of eye opener to see how differently the same disease can affect people completely different. You know, he hasn't had the, the health problems that his older brother has, but you know, every now and then, yeah, he's got a upset stomach and got to make sure he's taking his meds and all that. But uh, you know, overall, like with him, you would never know that he's ever had any issues. But the the one good thing about uh, his brother having the surgery, we have at least distinctive scientific proof that one of us in the family has a brain. So <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a light side of the story. I love that. And um, I love your outlook on it as well, because uh, seeing your kids be sick is one of the worst things ever. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And especially with something as complicated as IBD and you had no idea what was going on in the beginning and you're just you're learning on the job. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, and we've been very lucky and very thankful that as bad as things have been, they haven't been worse. That's, you know, kind of the the outlook I try to keep with everything is, you know, hey, you know what? And the situation is bad, but it could probably be worse in some ways. So, you know, at least see the silver lining in that. Yeah, I agree. I think it helps sometimes to think of it that way. Thank you for sharing that story. Wow. Mark, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? What's your journey been like so far? Man, first of all, I I had to like mute my mic there for a moment because I like cried a little bit when John was talking about his eldest son's case with this because... There's, there's some massive parallels. I was diagnosed freshman year of high school, which was, you know, a whopping 13 years ago. But I had been showing symptoms probably since about 1998. Middle school was just abysmal for me. And I was having blockages, bouts of chronic diarrhea, um, then like constipation from the blockages where I wouldn't go to the bathroom for like, two weeks it was really really rough and i lost like 30 pounds in like two months my freshman year of high school it caused me to drop out i developed perirectal fistulas that needed three surgeries to correct that year alone it wasn't until after the very first surgery for that that my surgeon screamed and yelled at the gastroenterologist in the little mountain town in southern Oregon I lived in um, to actually do a colonoscopy because a surgeon was screaming on the phone, you are killing this child. And he didn't even leave the room that I was in with my parents. He just was like, bring me a phone now. So I thank my general surgeon who did that for saving my life, literally, because, you know, um, the perirectal fistula had become necrotic, which is why it took three surgeries. They put me on at the time, which I'm still on it, 
and I've yet to find anyone else who's been on Remicade as long as me, but that's what they put me on. Gotta say, it keeps me insanely healthy. Um, I'm able to hold a job. You know, I work 10, 12 hour days and have a successful career. I went to college for about nine years in Tennessee. The the hard spots are every once in a while, the symptoms flare back up. And what's weird is it's not physical stress for me that really causes any of my symptoms to flare. It's like emotional stress. If I go through a really harrowing time, uh, loss of a family member, things of that nature, my symptoms come back in full force. So if I could say anything to people like freshly diagnosed or going through symptoms is like, you have to learn the art of Zen a lot. Like you have to find a place where you can focus and remind yourself where the ground is, because without that, like you can get lost pretty quick, at least in my case. Let's talk about gaming for guts. So tell me, what is gaming for guts? Not not to like steal steal the beginning of this, but that's a lot of things to a lot of people. So you mentioned how people are being diagnosed like younger and younger with Crohn's disease. We have a lot of very young members in our group and have been following us almost since we started. And so for them, it's like a community, people we talk to every day. And it gives everyone a like safe place to come and talk about their disability and their disorder and find those who like to play video games and be able to reach out and have connection with other people. Because I know for me growing up with Crohn's disease, I lost all my friends. No one wanted to hang out with a sick kid. And let's be real, children in high school are fickle beings. And so I remember what that's like. And so I like being able to have this networked community for all of the kids and like even people who are adults who are going through this for the very first time in their life who have no understanding to be able to come together and seek help, have questions. For me, it's really kind of a, a family thing because our founder, Brad Watson, and um, our other founder, Rob, I've known them for an incredibly long time. And our founder, Brad, he is like a brother to me. Um, he lives, unfortunately lives up in Canada, but when I moved back to this side of the country, like he drove down from Canada and we got to hang out for the very first time. And it was really like fun and emotional and we had a blast. And so like, for me, it's like that real connection finally coming together and it's been able to do that for us. So. And tell me how you're connecting with folks. It's mostly through the discord right now, I believe. Um, Cause people will post on there, like when they start live streaming on Twitch, so you can go hang out and talk to people while they're streaming and playing video games. And then, we have different channels in there that have different subjects. So people can go in there and say, hey, I'm in a flare right now. Like, I'm having a rough time. And we'll, oh, yeah, well, that really sucks. And we can talk to them about it and what they're going through. And sometimes, like, we talk about hobbies or we post pictures like, hey, I baked bread today. Because <laughs> me and Mark have done that a couple of times where we're like, hey, look at what I made. Yeah, we've done that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And it's just really cool to be able to talk to people in there and 
this year especially it's been so nice to have that group of people to interact with just because of covid you know a lot of us are stuck at home we're not really going out and unable to see friends but your online friends they're always there for you well maybe for the most part they're always there for you like everyone may not be online at the same time but we have people all over the world in this discord we have people from europe in there we have people from all over the united states in there and you know it's just almost like a big instant instant messaging forum so you can talk to people from all over the place and be able to interact with somebody and have online friends who you can go interact with talk with play video games with you know because a lot of us are stuck at home even before covid you may be stuck at home in a flare that turns into like some of your best friends in the online community you know they're there for you especially after you get diagnosed you can feel so alone because i know i did after i got diagnosed and that's one thing I love about gaming for guts is I have these guys to talk to and interact with and someone who can relate to what I'm going through. And it's been such a big help over the years. You talked a little bit about your founders. Where did it really begin? I don't think it started with a discord server, right? I don't even think mm -hmm. discord had been invented yet. Probably no, not. <laughs> that would have been, I think the first one was in 2014 and Brad and Rob had known each other through different gaming channels like they gamed online together and they said hey we should do a 24-hour stream and we'll do it for uh the crohn's and colitis foundation they came up with the event and where i come into into the picture is in april of 2015 i did a 24-hour charity stream for crohn's and colitis foundation not knowing that there had already been another one and so I got introduced to a lady named Jessica that worked for Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And then she got me in touch with Rob. These guys have already done it. You should talk to them about, you know, if you have any questions. And so I got in contact with Rob and you know, he just kind of gave me some pointers because this was the first time I was ever going to do any kind of streaming at all. And, you know, it just kind of came from this desire of like, you know, can I play video games for 24 hours, you know, and how many video games can I beat in 24 hours? Did that? I thought it was going to be a one and done thing. A couple months later, Jessica gets in contact with me and says, hey, the guys that did this event before, they're getting to ready to do another one in December again. Would you be interested in joining them? And I was like, well, uh, sure, you know, because I, I really hadn't really thought about it. And so, you know, we got together. And so 2015 for the second Gaming for Guts group, I think that was the first time we really had like any kind of widespread participants because before it just been Brad and Rob. And then Mark, is, is that the year that you joined or was it the year following that? I didn't stream on year one, but I did play on the video games with them all 24 hours. And then the second year... I tried to stream, but I had like equipment malfunctions all 24 hours. So people were just staring at my webcam and a black screen. The video oh, no. games were not loading. Oh, it was no. a no. catastrophe for me. It was sad. Oh. Um, so it was really year three that uh, okay. is where I came in and I brought a gaming group that I play with who are all just big supporters of me because they're my friends. And they came along. Um, you're going to have to probably bleep this one, but that gaming group is called The F*** Ups. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I brought them along, and now every year, uh, at least two of those guys join me. And even if they can't stream due to their like work constraints, they have streamed in the past, but 
if they can't stream they still play with me so their frequents on my stream you'll hear like don's voice or ryan or jared's they'll all just be talking and then it becomes a cacophony of sound and you have no idea what's going on it's great and you're, <laughs> and you're their leader <laughs> yeah which is a sad thing <laughs> So does everybody do a 24-hour gaming stream, or how does that work? It varies. Some people do the 24 hours. My body just can't handle it anymore. I can't imagine it. <laughs> I have found with my inflammatory bowel disease, if I am up for 24 hours, 4 or 5 a.m., because I normally start at 8 a.m., 4 or 5 a.m., I'm going to the bathroom every 20 minutes, yeah. and it's exhausting. So I'm like, you know what? I'll stream for... 12 or 16 hours like every day, but I at least have to go take a break and go to sleep. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, but it's more due to my advanced age than uh, anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't you don't have the IBDs, so what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm old. Uh, I gotta make sure there aren't any kids on my front lawn. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that is the going joke. He's the old man, and there's always children on the lawn. Yeah, and I gotta go uh... uh, kick them off. So, so like what I've started to do is, you know, because we've expanded from being just a 24 hour stream to basically doing the whole weekend is I'll do uh, like in the past, I've done like three 12 hour streams, you know, uh, this year it might be like eight or 10 hour streams that I'll, that I'll end up doing. But last year, Mark, didn't you do like 984 hours or something like that? It was, you were just on all the time. So, um, in the last two events, and now going into this one, we have done a 72-hour full weekend. So there's this constant evolution, right? It starts as just a 24-hour, then it became 48, and now it's a 72-hour like death fest. And the last two years, I I pushed my body to the limit. I think one year I streamed continuously for like 59 hours. And then last year I did like 62. And I I was a zombie. I was just like, no, uh-uh, none of this. Is that the longest, do you think, 62 hours? That's the longest I've been able to keep it up. So does it get more entertaining over time? So if I tune in to watch, should I watch you at hour 20, 30? That'll be better than hour one. <laughs> it, uh, some of us get a little uh, slap happy, you know, when it's like four or five, six a.m., like towards the end of the 24 hours, like you're sometimes you're just so frustrated at that point with whatever game you're playing. And then like I've like started to like fall asleep like while I'm playing and I'm like, oh, my God, like I got to stay awake and it, it gets rough. And some of us just get a little, a little loopy, you know, towards the end of the stream. This is all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Well, it's not all for that. It's mostly for that. It's also for fun, too, obviously. But I would really like to know from each of you why it's important that you raise money for the foundation in this way. For me, I think that this is a like we've kind of been talking about this is a great way for people with ibd to be able to participate in a fundraising event that they normally wouldn't be able to otherwise this is a kind of event where you can do it in the comfort of your own home if you need to go take a bathroom break you can you know hit pause put a be right back on the screen and go do what you need to do and people understand that they know that especially if they they realize that you're sick 
and you've got reasons that you need to go take care of business, that's fine. And, you know, because there's so many, like we've been talking about, you know, more kids being diagnosed, this is an event they can get behind. This is an event they can want to do. And like, for me, like, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, to me, it's like the more eyes we can get on this, the more money we can raise for the foundation, you know, the more support we get back. Raising money to help, you know, get the word out there about inflammatory bowel disease, because it affects so many people. And, you know, it's not just a bathroom disease. There's so many other things that affect it, like, like with John's stepson, like, I didn't know that that could happen. Like it, you know, that that's crazy that, you know, he ended up getting that severe of a brain infection that he had had brain surgery from medications on for his Crohn's disease. Because so many, so many people out there are like, well, you just go to the bathroom. And it's just so much more than that. And this is a, a great way to get the word out and a great way to raise money for, you know, uh, educating people and, you know, trying to find a cure for this. I am the third person in my family to be diagnosed with Crohn's disease and the only one that is a male. Um, my aunt, she had it. I watched her funeral when I was four years old. She died from Crohn's disease. My great aunt also had it and um, she died from complications in her, like, I think she was... 81 years old this was a couple of years back and uh very very personal real connection to that and you know, when they were young the medications that we have now definitely don't exist i mean two of the most commonly used ones now didn't exist when i was first diagnosed we had steroids and remicade all they had were steroids for me bringing that awareness out there that's really why I'm in this because I had to suffer. I've had family members suffer from it. I don't want other people to suffer. Like they need to know what the symptoms are to get things checked. Yeah. The doctor bill sucks getting um, a camera shoved up. there is not the most pleasant experience in life, but if it saves you from a lifetime of suffering, like it's worth it. So um, it's really about awareness and that's why I'm in this. It's, it's a very personal connection. It, it's also a way for, I think some of us to heal from the emotional trauma we've suffered because of this. Mm -hmm. And that's really why I'm here and why I, I will stay up for 62 hours playing video <laughs> games. <laughs> that's a good reason. I think. Yeah. So tell me this year, what are the dates for gaming for guts? Game of Guts is uh, December 4th, 5th, and 6th this year. I historically have kind of kicked off the event, but I know there have been other times when someone's started streaming earlier than I have. Uh, I usually start around noon central time. So how can folks get involved with Gaming for Guts? Where can they go? We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook and Twitter can be the best place to find the link for Discord. And we're mostly in Discord at this point. And then we're also the main Gaming for Guts uh, Twitch page is also on Twitch. And then a lot of our streams are li linked to that page too. So you can go to there and see who in the community is live. Well, thanks guys. This was fantastic. I'm so happy to be able to see you and talk with all of you since I've been following you all for years, of course, and following Gaming for Guts. And I'm really looking forward to the stream this year and looking forward to see what shenanigans you're getting up to. 
Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. It's been a wonderful time. Hey, super listener. Special thanks to Kenzie, John, and Mark for sharing their stories and for all the work they do in raising funds and creating a community for people with IBD. You can become a part of Gaming for Guts. You can not only join the community on the Discord server, but you can also stream or play during the event. For 2020, the Gaming for Guts live stream will be from Friday, December 4th through Sunday, December 6th. I also want to call your attention to the fundraising milestones this year. If Gaming for Guts raises $2,500, Kenzie will take a whipped cream pie to the face. At $5,000, Kenzie will stream in a T-Rex costume, and I can confirm she already does have the costume. At $7,500, Kenzie's husband will do her makeup on a live stream, and at $10,000, the admin group will stream a sing-along. No word on the song, but maybe we can make some suggestions. The Gaming for Guts, and that is gaming, the number four, guts. Information is in the show notes and on the episode 83 page on my website, aboutibd.com. I am also in the Gaming for Guts Discord server, as well as all over social media as About IBD. Thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio. Anything to declare, as they say, when you're going over the border. Uh, uh, my pocket knife is not a weapon, and uh, <laughs> I have no tobacco or alcohol on me. So this is in the outtakes, right? Oh,